Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and be our guest. Let my words be your words only to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. I decided not to tackle that gospel. (laughs) I decided to tackle the epistle. And so if you need to, if you didn't listen to Karen's beautiful reading of the epistle, you may look back now at uh, Romans 6 on your leaflet. Be that as it may, I'm sure you remember it perfectly. That particular passage from chapter 6 of St. Paul's letter is replete with thoughts regarding the changes that occur in our lives when we take on Jesus Christ. So I've chosen to speak about this because I believe that it's important for all of us to ponder and try to understand these changes that occur when we take on Christ, or said another way, when we are in Christ. Let me here suggest a context for that thought that may be useful for you over time, as it has been for me. Many of you know my favorite uh, portion of scripture is 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. So store that in your RAM and we'll go on. Let us look at what Paul says here and see if we can make sense out of some of the possibly difficult thoughts that he presents. His technique here is interesting. His writing involves a back and forth of question and answer with an imaginary Christian posing the questions and Paul answering. Now we should note that the closing verses of the previous chapter, chapter 5, speak about the grace of God and the seeming balance between sin and grace. And just let me remind you about grace, if you need any reminding. Grace is the free and unmerited favor of God. St. Paul talks about the increase in God's grace that becomes available when sin increases. And some have thought, well, if this is so, then why not go ahead and sin to beat the ban so that grace may come to us in superabundance to match that sin? Well, there's clearly something a little off with that picture. I think this kind of thinking is a good demonstration of fallen human reason. Paul knows this. Paul knows it well. And chapter 6 opens with his remonstrating that there is no way that we should increase our sin so that we can see an outpouring of grace. His point is really that with the work that Christ accomplished for us on the cross, we are changed. And just why? And how are we changed? Because we, in fact, have died to sin and cannot or should not even consider living in any sphere that involves sin any longer. It's just no longer part of the package. Our natures are changed. And if we accept the changes, we cannot possibly follow a sinful path. Or at least, we should be far less likely to follow that path. Now, (laughs) I must say here that although we have died to sin, 
This does not mean that we do not evince sinful behavior. We continue to sin, probably on a daily basis, at least I do. But how we are different is that we grieve genuinely after we sin. And then we go on to repent, asking for God's forgiveness. We depend on the mercy and the grace, is that word again, of our Heavenly Father. And why? Because our changed spirit, which is part of the newness of our lives, tells us that we're off the beam. Most importantly, we do not anymore sin deliberately. Hebrews makes it clear that it is conscious and intended sin that makes the difference. Let me read. This is Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Accepting Christ does not allow purposeful sinning. We never get to the point of worrying about eternal fire. Another important issue. How does baptism fit in here? In his explanation to the inter interrogator, interrogator, we'll try that, that's better. Thank you, Bob. Paul offers to explain all this by saying that our baptism, when we took on Christ Jesus, we were buried into his death. What does he mean by this? It seems that he is saying that we are incorporated lock, stock, and barrel into Jesus into all the major events of his redemptive work. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, says that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. As believers, we have participated with Christ in all of these events. As Romans commentator Douglas Moo notes, is, did that illusion go over everybody's head? I hope not. Karen certainly got it. Those people are into cows, so that's why I'm into it. Douglas Moo says, baptism stands for our whole conversion experience. By it, we have been brought into union with Christ and the powerful events of his redemptive work. That means that we are now able to live an entirely new life. I hope you hear there the echoes of 2 Corinthians 5.17 that I started with. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. But I have not answered why Paul uses this baptismal image. 
To understand Paul's getting into baptism, we must understand that baptism was quite different in Paul's time from what we are accustomed to today. Remember, it was adult baptism, where there may or may not have been any family involved. Think about this. A man might be convinced that Christ had the way and come to him, often leaving his family behind. Infant baptism, as we practice it today, is as it is because of the existence of the Christian family. Over time, baptism of infants to cleanse them of original sin became the custom. And the time of preparation for baptism was reduced dramatically. Again, because the infant was growing up in a Christian family. He was exposed to all of this. That just did not exist in Paul's time. In those times, one, was, one who was baptized was entering the church directly from paganism. And this had to be a long, drawn-out process, usually involving many years of preparation and instruction for the one being baptized. We know, clearly, we have records of baptism in the first few centuries requiring a period of up to three years before one could become part of the nascent church. Further, baptism was, now listen carefully, it was by total immersion, where one descended into the water, the water closed over the individual's head as if one were being buried. And then, rising from the water was like rising from the grave. At least symbolically, the one being baptized was dying to one kind of life and rising to another. And so Paul here was using language and imagery that almost anyone of his time would be able to understand. William Barclay notes that both Jews and Greeks, although coming from entirely different backgrounds of spirituality, would have understood such imagery. There is much in the way of reassurance here for the repenting sinner. There is reassurance because although we are told that when we follow Christ, we die with him, most importantly, we are raised again with him, just as he was raised. Is not this exactly what we want to hear? Do we not want to be raised with him? Do we not yearn in our hearts for this reassurance? This reassurance that if we follow the way, we will be set free from the sins that besiege us and then eventually be with Jesus in heaven eternally. I do pray that all of this may give you insight into just how you are changed when you take on Christ and his way. You enter into Christ and you identify with Christ. Yes, there is an ethical change, but it's much more than that. The idea of identifying with Christ is the idea that I would like to leave with you. Someone has said in talking about actually being in Christ, 
that a good analogy is the following. And I don't know where, I don't know where this came from. We cannot live our physical life unless we are in the air and the air is in us. Well, unless we are in Christ and he is in us, we cannot live the life of God. That's worth repeating. We cannot live our physical life unless we are in the air and the air is in us. Unless we're in Christ and he is in us, we cannot live the life of God. I pray that we may bask in the knowledge that we have been baptized in a slightly different way from that which Paul references, but in a very similar way too. Because we, being baptized as infants, have had all sin washed away as the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. Sanctifying grace is given to us as we continue to follow Christ. That sanctification increases and we become more and more in him and like him. Thanks be to God. Amen.